I don't remember how old I was when I first saw the Telltale Few snippets, the 1953 musical Calamity Jane that would go on to ruin my life. I only know they left a deep impression. I was always on the lookout for representations of gender variants on screen, and since in our household we watched a lot of older films, I was excited whenever movies about quote-unquote tomboys showed up on TCM or AMC back when they used to actually show movies. I remember watching the first few minutes of the film, in which Doris Day as Calamity Jane appears in fringed pants and starts dancing on the bar, singing about how she's just come back from Chicago, but nothing she found there can match her beloved hometown, occupied Dakota territory in the 1870s where the real Calamity Jane made her name as a sharpshooter. I just blew in from the Windy City, the Windy City is mighty pretty, but they ain't got what we got, no siree, they got shacks up to seven stories, never see any more than glories but a step from our doorway. I don't remember why I walked away after that first number or changed the channel, I just remember that when we returned to the movie sometime later, it was near the end and Jane was transformed. Her pants had become this hideous yellow dress with one of those gross bustles in back. The point of the movie, as with plenty of movies from this time about quote-unquote unconventional women, is that Jane needed to learn how to be feminine, because she'd fallen in love with a man, albeit in a very queer way. And in 1953, obviously, that's a big old no-no. The movie Calamity Jane fits neatly into a genre I like to call the gender reform narrative. It's a type of movie, usually from the Golden Age, that puts across the thesis that if you're a too-butch woman, or a too-femme man, or just don't fit into your designated gender category, you need to be cured by love, specifically heterosexual love. There are a few fantastically depressing examples of this I could mention. 1956's Tea and Sympathy, 1968's Funny Girl, 1950's Annie Get Your Gun, another movie about a gun-toting potential trans mask. You can even see the vestiges of this trope in more modern makeover films like The Breakfast Club or Never Been Kissed. There's this idea that Hollywood really loves, that if you have any kind of gender trouble whatsoever, it will probably be cured the minute you enter into a heterosexual relationship. But that's especially the case when it comes to hard-to-place figures from history, those probably transmasculine figures like Annie Oakley and Calamity Jane, who were already larger-than-life figures of American myth by the time the film industry started making movies. There weren't a lot of first-hand accounts of these folks, but they did loom large in the story we were telling ourselves about America, and specifically what it meant to be an American at the turn of the century when the film industry was first starting out. Edison's first experimental films, made in his black box theater The Black Mariah, for instance, even featured Annie Oakley, showing off her sharpshooting skills, as well as Buffalo Bill's Wild West shows, 
popular bodybuilders, boxers, and other figures famous for their physical talents. These films fall under what film scholar Tim Gunning called the cinema of attraction, meaning that to get people to take a chance on this new weird art form, these movies had to feature exciting figures who felt almost mythical. We were in the process of making our own myths with the movies, and figures from the Old West, it's no surprise, kept showing up again and again in these movies, pretty much until the end of the studio system. And in order to tell the stories the movies were so fascinated by, they needed to fit those gender-complex figures into their own ideology. Hence the gender reform narrative, a way of flattening any gender weirdness in a figure like Annie Oakley or Calamity Jane into a problem that can easily be fixed by heterosexual couplehood. But that's not to say that these stories don't have an essential layer of queerness to them. They absolutely do. For instance, Calamity Jane, despite being an extremely depressing, cishet movie, does feature the song My Secret Love, whose lyrics are about as queer and trans as it gets. for Wild Bill Hickok, played by Howard Keel, who was not her lover in real life, probably, just in the movie, is a kind of queer attraction. The attraction that a man might have for another man. And that's what makes the song have this interesting weight. In Annie Get Your Gun, the song You Can't Get a Man with a Gun is also hilariously queer, especially when you realize that you actually definitely can get a man with a gun, just maybe not the kind of gun she's talking about. Someone's herd of cattle You'd have steak when the job was done But if I shot the herder They'd lock me up for murder Cause you can't shoot a male in the tail Like a quail Oh, you can't get a man with a gun These figures from history were famously gender non-conforming and while we don't exactly know whether or not they would have identified as trans had they been aware of the language, we do know that Calamity Jane, at least, was famous for refusing to wear skirts, according to Lou Sullivan's famous pamphlet, Instructions for the Female-to-Male Transsexual. And in pictures, she looks pretty damn trans, even when she is wearing skirts. Even the lack of information and falsity surrounding her life story feels kind of trans. If you've listened to our Spuds McKenzie episode, for instance, you'll probably notice some parallels with the Calamity Jane story. Because as we've discussed this season, when people die and cross into the public domain, you can basically turn them into whatever you want. And that includes Hollywood, for better or worse. Sometimes I wonder if we'll ever get the real Calamity Jane story, or if we'll have to content ourselves with the tall tales that don't really key us into who she was or how she identified. I guess for now, that has to be good enough. Fly and they often leave a down. But you've come to the right place to find out. Every 
Totally Trans Minisodes is a production of the Totally Trans Podcast Network. You can find us on Patreon at Patreon backslash Totally Trans and on Twitter at Totally Trans Pod. You'll find that falling in love is wonderful. It's wonderful.